welcome to another episode of Woke with Wesley. I'm Wesley, and today you're lucky, or maybe not, because it's just me. I'm solo podcasting it up, which makes me feel so weird. I vibe out so hard with the guests on the show normally that now, sitting alone in my basement, pulling things out of the depths of my soul, feels so weird. So I've discovered a little hack, and the hack is that... If I pretend if I'm talking to all of you as if you're actually right here, then stuff flows more easily. Stuff just starts starts pouring out. So just so you know, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm actually pretending like I'm talking directly to you, like you're sitting in my house across from me in the other chair. So this week we are talking woke. Like what does being woke even mean? How does one become awakened? And truthfully, I think that for everyone – It means something entirely different. But I do know that for me, it literally meant I woke up because there was a distinct line in the sand type of difference in myself from before and after my wake up call. And another thing, I didn't realize I would have to be getting on here by myself so much. I... I really wasn't anticipating this, but I have gotten so many messages from you guys all wanting like a step-by-step process of how to do exactly what I did to kick off your own processes. And I don't want you to feel like I'm ignoring you guys, but it's just honestly, it's not this simple. It's really not. And I knew this podcast was so necessary today for those of you asking me how to do this. And spoiler alert, you are not going to get the answer you want. There is not a five-step cookie cutter process. It doesn't look like I don't know, like going to yoga three times, spinning around on your head, chanting a weird chant and like, voila, like it's done. It does not, it it doesn't happen that way. Unless maybe, I don't know, for you, maybe it did, who knows, everyone's, everyone's different. But there are certain things that I did do in the last five years that definitely helped me through this process. And there are things that if I didn't do, I'm not quite so sure I'd be here today trying to explain this all to you. So I'm going to touch on those those hit points. But I want you guys to remember how unique we all are. How we made, I mean, I'm, I'm different than you. My responsibilities are different from yours. My day looks different from yours. There are so many anomalies here. So I want you to remember this. Remember that what works for me maybe won't be what actually works for you in the end. And I bet it won't because we're all so different and you have to dig deep with this stuff where it's just, it's personal. You got to go inward. But I think maybe I can crack the door open for you by going a little deeper into my process. So here we go. And if you haven't listened to my first episode, the the trailer episode, I think you need to do that now or this is just not going to make any sense to you. But like I said in that episode, I went about my life in the passenger seat for as long as I could remember. It's just how I lived. I easily accepted the life I had, the way society was, cultural beliefs, family structures. I mean, it went down to everything, the medical system, beauty industry standards, diet culture, all of it. I did not blink an eye to any of it. I was not the driver of my life. And I don't know, I was this way, even when it came down to the clothes I wear, you guys, like fashion trends, they would change and I would be like, oh, shit, I guess now I got to throw out all my flare bootleg jeans. Even when I loved my old navy bell bottomy 
those big jeans. Do you guys remember those? But it didn't matter because I would not be caught dead in them any longer if they weren't cool. And you know this. We all know this. We've all done this. And I think it's important because it's one of the first steps in recognizing that this that you're on the path of waking up when you can start to realize, okay, I do this because I like it or I'm following the trends, the crowds. And it goes the other way too because there were times when I had this music I loved, loved it. And when it started to get mainstream, it started to get trendy. The minute I did, I vetoed it. I would not play it in my car. Like I wasn't going to listen to it if everyone in the world, including my four-year-old neighbor kid and my mom and every little teenager was blaring it in their car radio, I decided I would not, even when I liked it, which is ridiculous. And it was it was like I was either desperately trying to fit into the crowd or desperately trying to stand out of the crowd at any given moment. And the only thing I do know for sure is that that way of being was exhausting And I know we've been there where we all are thinking thoughts like, what do these people think of me? Like, how does this sound? Is this caption done? Does this look good? Will they notice I've gained five pounds? Will they notice I have acne? Will they notice I've lost five pounds? It's like my mind was never at peace. And and when I started to look outside of myself to find relief from this or just even to distract myself, to numb myself because... I needed to numb myself like it was a rat race in my mind. My thoughts were validated by every single media source there is. Like I would try to numb out. I'd get on Instagram, get on Facebook, get get online, get on, watch a commercial. And it would be like, buy these presets because you'll look better. Buy my personal diet ebook so you can get skinny like me. Like here's a tutorial on how to make more people follow you. Or here's a tutorial on how to make a freaking tutorial. And... It's just this never-ending barrage of outside sources validating your insecurities by offering up a solution to those insecurities. And here's the one thing I know. It's the truth. Like that not one of those things is going to eradicate your insecurities. Not one. Even if you lose the weight. Say you gain all the followers. Say you make all the money in the world. You're super successful. If you have not done the internal work, then the insecurities are still your insecurities. The only difference now is that they're buried behind the illusion of success. And I don't know. I it makes me think of that. You guys know that saying? It's that saying where they say, the higher you climb, the farther you fall. And it's because the higher you climb up this societal ladder of whatever it is you're chasing. It's either the ladder of beauty and money or fame or success or followers. Like the more you climb it, the more you rely on the ladder. And the ladder is the thing giving you structure. It's giving you surety. It's a map for you to know where to go. But what I know you need to do if you're curious about this stuff, if you actually want to wake up to who you really are, you need to stop clinging to the ladder. It is key. It is key in this whole process. And, and it's, you have to get really comfortable with being uncomfortable. You got to get off the damn ladder. You got to get off course. You got to start going through the bushes and the trees and the path truly less traveled. And it's messier this way. There are no guardrails. You get lost all the time. You don't have directional signs, but you are paving your own way. And this is getting woke. When you stop following the crowd, when you start thinking your own thoughts, 
and you identify the thoughts in your head that were never even yours to begin with. They've just been implanted there from birth, in, usually by well-meaning relatives or like cultural dogma or friends or just the place in which you were born. And are all of these thoughts harmful? No, no way. Some of them are great and real and true. And if that's the case, you'll know it because they'll bring about all sorts of good feeling vibes, like warm fuzzies, like a literal burning in your bosom type of feeling. And those, the good ones, the good feeling ones, those are true. So you keep them, you claim them as your own. And I think that while we're on the subject of truth, it's a good time to remind you and me that what is true is sometimes subjective. Like what's true to you may not be entirely true to me and vice versa. And honestly, truth isn't what we're discussing here. It's not the main point. What we're discussing is awakening to your own personal truth. And... And yeah, that means that even if you discover that your truth is different than you originally thought or different than the people around you, then it doesn't make those people around you, their truth, suddenly false. Like just just different strokes for different folks, y'all. Like this is when people get all, I don't know, who's right, who's wrong. It's none of that. Like people can have different versions of truth. And I mean, this is the process. And it's funny because since I started this podcast, I have had so many amazing people pass along even more knowledge, even deeper studies of what it is to truly become awakened. Like I'm learning so much and it's proof that the law of attraction is totally working out for me right now because I stepped out on a limb in starting this. I knew that this subject, like this topic, I could talk about until the day I die. I could, I never get tired of it. I know that it's ever evolving. And I knew by being open, I would start to attract similarly minded people to me. But holy moly, I don't know. It. I didn't expect the people to come so fast. I didn't expect so many. And the ones that are reaching out to me are totally surprising me because they're people I know. They're like my neighbors and my relatives and people I know in my real life. They're not just strangers. I, I anticipated people, like internet people, that I didn't know being like, oh yeah, I'm on this. I do this too. But it's people I actually know. And I it's making me realize that we're all kind of doing this, but in secrecy. So it's been funny and refresh, refreshing to me to, to, I don't know, to realize this. So one of the people that reached out so far that totally took me by surprise was Indy's dad. I did episode three with her. Um, actually episode four, but his name is Scott and I love Indy's parents. Their names are Brooke and Scott Severe. They're so dope, but he listened to my first podcast and he was reading a book and he was like, oh, she's into this stuff. I'm going to give her this book. And you guys, this book, it is called Aware. It's by this guy named Anthony DeMello. And I started reading it and lo and behold, I opened the first page and it's like the contents of my brain have spilled out but instead of all mixed up and rambly like they are in my head it's nice and nice it's nice and nice it's nice and neat and and it's like beautifully laid out and it's like poetry and just holy shit like it blew my mind and I love this book so much I cannot put it down and I would have never known about it unless I was open I don't know like it's I'm just stoked like thank you guys for reaching out to me I'm learning just as much as you 
So I wanted to read you the first pages because I think the author so eloquently describes what it is to wake up much better than I ever could or even try. So I'm going to read the very first page and the book is called Aware by Anthony DeMello and here's just the beginning. Hold on. Okay, so it is the chapter is the very first chapter of the book. It's called On Waking Up and it says spirituality means waking up most people even though they don't know it are asleep they're born asleep they live asleep they marry in their sleep they breed children in their sleep and they die in their sleep without ever waking up they never understand the loveliness and the beauty of this thing that we called the human existence you know all mystics catholics christians non-christians no matter what their theology no matter what their religion all are unanimous on one thing that all is well and all is well though everything is a mess all is well it's a strange paradox to be sure but tragically most people never get to see that all is well because they are asleep they are having a nightmare last year on a spanish television show i heard a story about a gentleman who knocks on his son's door on his son's door jaime he says wake up jaime answers i don't want to get up Papa, the father shouts, get up. You have to go to school. Jaime says, I don't want to go to school. Why not? Asks his father. Three reasons, says Jaime. First, because it's so dull. Second, the kids tease me. And third, I hate school. And the father then says, well, I'm going to give you three reasons why you must go to school. First, because it is your duty. Second, because you are 45 years old. And third, because you are the headmaster. So wake up, wake up. You've grown up. You're too big to be asleep. Wake up. Stop playing with your toys. Most people tell you they don't want to get out of kindergarten, but don't believe them. Do not believe them. All they want you to do is to mend their broken toys. Oh gosh, I have to turn the page. You guys, I'm not this skilled. I'm not this skilled in my life to turn a page and talk. Okay. They want you to give, give them back their wife, give them back their job, give me back... My money, give me back my reputation, my success. This is what they want. They want their toys replaced. That's all. Even the best psychologists will tell you that people don't really want to be cured. What they want is relief because a cure is painful. Waking up is unpleasant, you know. You are nice and comfortable in bed. It is irritating to be woken up. That is the reason the wise guru will not attempt to wake people up. I hope that I'm going to be wise here and make no attempt whatsoever to wake you up if you are asleep. It is really none of my business, even though I say to you at times, wake up. My business is to do my thing, to dance my dance. And if you profit from it, fine. But if you don't, too bad. As the Arabs say, the nature of the rain is the same, but in, it makes thorns grow in the marshes and flowers grow in the gardens. And it's over. That's the very first, the very first page. And he's so spot on. I mean, that is it. That's where you start. This gets the ball rolling. And he goes on to talk about the next steps in waking up. And it's easier said than done. But the true first step is realizing that you've lived a portion of your life asleep. We all do. And there's nothing wrong with you. The second step is non-judgmental self-observation. And I really like what the author of the book Aware says about self-observation if you read the book it's on page 35 but um 
basically it's he talks about how you have to start watching yourself you have to watch yourself as if you are completely unattached to the outcome of your day watch yourself as if you're a movie character and it's easier said than done but when you start to do it it becomes easier and easier and you will be so shocked at the things you see about yourself um, I was I was so surprised when I started doing this. And I remember this part for me, it definitely was the most uncomfortable part. Because very soon after I started being like a self-observer, I saw in myself so many things I didn't like. I saw how I always chose to fill awkward silences with nonsense, with like filler words And it was just because the silence and the awkwardness in that silence, it felt excruciating to me. So I would just fill it with dumb shit. And I started to see myself um, like in this, like I used to look out into the world to tell me what was acceptable about myself and what was not acceptable about myself. And I never took my own thoughts about that into consideration I started to see how the needs of my children and my home and my husband and my friends and family, they were my excuses. They were the excuse to deny myself self-care, self-introspection. They were my busy button. And I, if I was busy, that was so good. If I was working so hard that I was overwhelmed, that was good too. Like Because busy people are productive people. And productive people are worthy people. And worthy people are the only successful people. That is what I thought. And when I started to see these patterns in me, I hated it. I hated it. And I knew I needed to give myself like a day early on in this process to do nothing. And I really, I just wanted to see what that would feel like for me. And I know that we've all had unproductive days before where time slips away and nothing we plan on getting done gets done that day. And... I mean, that happens to me basically every day. It's not like all my days are productive. But what I wanted to do, I wanted to plan a self day where there was no shame or guilt or like woulda, coulda, shouldas at the end of that day. And I didn't want to have to worry or overcompensate about the stuff that didn't get that done that day for the next day. So I remember this day so well. And I gave myself a day just silently. I didn't like announce it to anybody. But it was a day to not be productive, to do absolutely nothing but the things I wanted to do that day. And I remember I sat around the house and I just read books and I didn't do my normal routine of prepping dinner and cleaning. And when the kids got out toys, I didn't like put them away when they were finished. And instead we went outside and I remember jumping on the trampoline and I filled a mini pool with bubbles and water. And for three hours, the kids played in the mini pool. And I read and I wrote a little bit and I read some more and I just sat in the sun. I did nothing, nothing. And nothing in the world has ever filled my cup so full as a day where I did absolutely nothing but enjoy my day. And it wasn't on a vacation. It was just a regular Tuesday and it was the best day ever. So I remember when Bronson, my husband, he got home that night and a part of me was anticipating when he would get home. Like, what would I say to him? Because I didn't warn him that I was doing this at all. Like, he would walk in to no dinner. Um, The house was probably a mess. I honestly don't remember. I do remember I was still in my pajamas. 
and I wasn't sick. Nothing was wrong. I wasn't even having like an off day. It was not a bad day. I just chose to do a different type of day, a day where I put my energy back into myself rather than like the physical home duties, like all of that. And I was a bit nervous to see what his reaction would be like. I'd have to explain myself. So he came home and I remember his reaction was nothing, nothing. He did not say a word. I don't even think he noticed. He was happy to find us playing outside in bubbles with me, my nose deep in a book. And I remember him being like, oh, hi, hey, you guys hungry? Like, let's go get burritos. (laughs) Not like he didn't say, oh, where's dinner? What did you do all day? Like what happened to the house? None of that. And I realized in that moment that it is me. It was never him that put these daily expectations on myself. I was doing it to me. And suddenly it was so clear that I had entered a contract with myself totally unconsciously the day that I got married to Bronson, that to be a good wife meant I had to be a self-sacrificing wife, like a wife who kept a perfect home with dinner ready when the husband got back and who needs to look beautiful. And that's what a good wife was. And that is what a husband always wanted. That's what I thought. But he never wanted this for me. I assumed he did, but he didn't. So I played the role of a good wife, like the good wife that I imagined up in my head for years, when in all reality, it meant nothing to him. And it was a total burden to me. The truth was that he loved me because I was free spirited. Because I wanted to play all day because I laugh all the time and I have like big ideas and big dreams and I want to like explore the world. And he loved me because at 2 a.m. I would wake him up and ask him to go to Taco Bell with me and go doorbell ditching. And this is what hooked him in the beginning. This is why he loved me. And honestly, it's the part of me that I most love about myself too. But I killed, I don't know, I killed that girl off when I got married and became a mother. Because I thought a good mother and a good wife doesn't do those things. And that is the silent contract I signed. And looking back, I don't know why I did that. Because there wasn't anybody in my life telling me to. It was just something my brain came up with. It's what I must have seen and I just easily believed to be the only way. But through this act of like self-observation, I don't know, I saw... In the end, I saw a lot of me seeking validation through outside sources from things that are physical, things that can be seen and crossed off a list like chores done, check, dinner done, check. Like I needed the crossed off list to feel valuable, to feel worthy. And the awareness of this was life changing. I realized it was me who prefers like an orderly house, but not 100% of the time. I like it like 75 to 80% there most of the time. It's good enough for me. Like I'm happy there. I cook the dinners that I like to cook and I eat the foods that make me feel really good. And I sit down and play Mario Kart in the middle of the day, like a lot of days. (laughs) And I take a bath every day just because I like it. I read a lot. Like I do the things that make me happy now. And I guess what I'm trying to say, I, my life still looks the same as it, as it did before. My duties as a mom and a wife and like a, and a business owner, they're all still there. None of that went away. But I do them out of a different motive. Like I don't do anything now to prove my worth. I do the things that I need to do because I want to do them. And if they fill my cup now in a different way. Like, 
And if I do find myself hating a part of my daily routine, then I hack the shit out of it until I find a way to like it. And for me, this has always been dinner because I cannot tell you how much I hate making dinner. It is like, it is the busiest time in my family's day. Everyone is going a million places. I'm dropping off kids, picking up kids from everywhere. I'm trying to close out our business day for every day around this time. I'm doing homework and right in the middle of all of this, I suddenly have to feed five starving people, all with different food preferences and intolerances and it's just the worst. It is the most annoying part of my day. It will be forever annoying to me and it just throws me off. Forever since I had three kids, at least it really has thrown me off this dinner making part of the job. So I knew I needed to hack this daily annoyance into something that I enjoyed and I started to bank my favorite books and podcasts and I would only listen to them during dinner prep. So then suddenly dinner prep was something I started to look forward to. It was like my me time. I could shut out the world. I would get my hands busy doing the food stuff, which I couldn't care less about, but it was good for my mind. My mind was hungry for like the books or the podcasts I was currently into. So this, I think I tell you this because I want to remind you that there's always a way around something you dislike in your day. You just got to get creative. You have to be aware of it to fix it. And I mean, I, this is how I started my process of deconditioning. It starts with like the self-observation obs- and then and maybe that in itself is all you have to do. But after a while for me, it felt really good to start layering more things I was interested in. Like re- reading the good books and I started going to this Wim Hof breathwork class in my neighborhood every Wednesday night and that in itself cracked me even way more wide open. And while I cleaned and I got ready and I got the kids ready each day, I would turn on YouTube rants by like Abraham Hicks and Dr. Joe Dispenza and Gabby Bernstein and Alan Watts and these people, these voices that I was listening to each day as I cleaned or got ready, they became my personal teachers. Like they were They were talking directly to me and helping me to train my brain to think the next best feeling thought and doing that like really changed. So training my brain to reach for the next best feeling thought at all times changed everything, changed my whole world. So my meditation, my meditations changed, my daily routine changed, my outlook on life changed. And it's like all these things that I started to one by one add into my daily routine. It's like my life started to look like, it's like it was like a big, beautiful layer cake. Like all these layers were all so different, but they each complemented one another and they enhanced each other's flavors. It was like the breath work I was doing enhanced my meditations. And the fact that I was already meditating for so many many years enhanced the breath work and the books and the YouTubes and the podcasts enhanced my knowledge and then the new knowledge started to empower me and then the empowerment made me brave braver than I had ever been before and I feel like that bravery propelled me for forward it made me start to live out loud and living out loud it was it led me to this weird place of not needing this. This sounds dicky. It's not though. <laughs> it led me to this place of not needing yours or anyone's or anything's validation. Like I don't need or desire anything from anyone. I am good on my own. Like if you're in my life, 
It is because I want you to be in my life and not because I need you to be in my life. And this fact about myself, this realization, it has made me dangerously free. Like I am free to be me. I am free from societal expectations. I am free to live like a full and exciting and authentic life that is custom to myself. Like I do what I want, where I want, when I want. Hopefully with the people I love and like all in love. And it does not mean that there are not painful parts of my life because there really there's still many there are like there are parts of my life that are excruciatingly painful I'm still human and it oh my gosh it does not mean that I'm enlightened because you guys oh my gosh I've actually gotten a few dms that are like oh tell me about how you became enlightened and I cringe when I read that I cringe because I want you to know that I am not enlightened I am wise enough to know that about myself. I know that each and every day I'm seeking for opportunities for more enlightenment, for growth and learning. And I don't know if anyone can ever truly be enlightened, like done, like, oh, I'm enlightened and that's it. It's done. I don't think that's, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's like that. I think this life is an ever evolving thing. Like it's the whole point we're here. And I don't know. I still struggle like just this past week. I found myself in scarcity and negativity and fear. And it was so weird because I was like Jekyll and Hyde. I was two different people at the same moment. And it threw me for a total loop. I'm just going to, I wasn't planning on telling you the story, but it's so weird. It's so weird. So it was, it threw me for a loop. It was when um, a bunch of you guys, the listeners actually started DMing me on Instagram. So many of you, like, I don't know, like 30 of you guys were like, you got to watch the new trailer that's out on Netflix for the Goop Lab series. Like, go watch it right now. And I was like, oh, what is this? Everyone's sending me this. Like, I'm going to watch it. And I watched the trailer and it made so much sense because you were all right. It is everything I'm all about. It's the stuff I've been secretly doing for the last five years that I've now just recently been opening up about. And it's the whole premise of this podcast. It's everything. But this this Goop Lab series is a docu-series on Netflix and it's about energy, vibes, breath work, shadow work, self-discovery, psychedelics, aging, self-care, all of it. And I promise you it, I, oh my, if I printed out my year plan for Woke with Wesley and all the things we're going to be discussing, it would eerily mimic the entire series that Goop just put out. And it blew my mind, blew my damn mind. Like I had no idea Goop was putting this out, not a clue. Goop obviously has no idea about me. And initially it hyped me up. Like I was like, oh my gosh, this stuff is catching fire. It's getting exposure. I was like so stoked, so into the series because it really is so good. You guys should watch it. It's amazing. But then the flip side of the coin hit and I felt fear. Immense fear. It hit like a tsunami. I felt scarcity I felt like I should just bow out I felt like I should quit the podcast while I'm ahead because if goop just launched four weeks after me then I have no shot like they are bigger faster better stronger they're freaking goop and I am a little old house mom I'm podcasting between preschool pickup like this is Gwyneth Paltrow and why why should I even be doing this if Gwyneth Paltrow is doing this on a much larger scale 
and it sounds stupid, but it's so true. It took the wind right out of my cells. Like I was living in this mental land of woulda, coulda, shoulda started. Like I, I wanted, I was like, why didn't I start when I, I should have started sooner. I should just stop now. Like my mind was this landfill of negativity bonds. When in reality, none of this is real. None of it is valid. Yet there I was, I was in the thick of it. Like, holy shit, Gwyneth freaking Paltrow just stole my idea. My idea. And she is doing it better than me. She's doing it better than I ever could. And you guys, I can't even believe I'm telling you this. This is like embarrassing for me. But how ridiculous that my mind went there. But it really did. It went there. And I mean, I'm glad I've been on this awareness kick. Because soon my awareness actually did, in fact, kick in. Just like I've been training it to. And logic and truth came to save the day. Because... The truth about this is that this isn't even my idea to be stolen. Like it was, I, that is the ego. I thought that like I created this shit for a minute. (laughs) I can't believe it. So it's not my idea. It's not, it's not anyone's idea. It's not goops. It's not mine. It's the universe's. It is information that is free and available to the masses at all times. People have been doing this since the beginning of time. And the more people that start sharing this stuff, it is in fact the best thing for everyone. And that includes me so it is totally ludicrous that for even one second I felt personally (laughs) victimized by Gwyneth Paltrow whom I actually adore like that is straight ludicrous but this is the mind in action this is the ego it's crazy our minds are freaking nuts they do weird and finicky things all the time and you got to be on top of it 24 7 or these illusions and these mistruths they could swallow you whole and you become your reality even when the your reality isn't real. So am I enlightened? Hell no. I don't even know what that version of me looks like. I don't even think that's what I want out of this life. Like I like the humanness of it all. I like catching myself caught up in drama and blame and impatience. And it's it truly is entertaining now for me to try to stop the nonsense in its tracks And I kind of stop and try to discover and dig deep down to the root cause of it all. It's like a game. It's honestly like a game for me now. And there's no losing at the game. But I'm just, I'm on this path. It's fun. It's like, I like not knowing where exactly it's taking me. I'm just along for the ride and that's good enough for me. But yeah, I'm always going to be me. I'm going to be that person who loses her phone and her keys. And I'm going to be bad at texting people back. And I'm going to lose it when I feel like I'm a maid in my own home. I'm going to have, I'm going to have grumpy days where I feel overwhelmed and I'm going to feel jealousy and lack kick into high gear. I'm certain of it. And I mean, I'm not experiencing it now, but I know it's coming. And I'm also going to feel love and support. And there are times when I know I'm going to feel carried because life is just that. Like there's duality in all things. And when you get right down to the bottom of it, that's the whole point. And I think that I've come to the conclusion that my job here is just to remember that it's all good all the time, that all is well, like in that book, Aware. Like that guy says, all is well and all is well. And that includes even when I cut out dairy and I still get acne because that sure pissed me off. That's been my whole month of January, doing Whole30, and I'm like, oh, my skin's going to clear up. No, I'm still getting acne, but I don't know, all is well. So, oh my gosh, after this long, this isn't even an intro, this is like half over at this point, but I'll get into the steps of awakening that worked for me. So step one is you have to realize you've been a little bit sleepy 
easy peasy lemon squeezy. Maybe hard to admit, but everyone has been sleepy here or there. Number two, step two, start being the non-judgmental self-observer all the time. Number three, kind of talked on it, touched on it a bit, but it's fill your busy housework time or your commute time, whatever like you time you have where you just have to get shit done. Fill that with like uplifting and educational podcasts or YouTubes, audiobooks, whatever it is that you want to be reaching for things that fill your mind with maybe a new way of thinking. And I know that right now in the podcast, I'm going to get bombarded if I don't go into specifics. So I'll get specific on which books and podcasts made the biggest impact on me and why. And the first one is the most important. It will be a, it will be a touch long, but don't worry, the rest are short. So the number one book that changed my life was so unexpected. It was not my intent to change my life by reading this book. And I actually didn't even read the whole book. I read the cliff notes. <laughs> funny enough but the cliff notes changed my life it sounds dramatic but it's absolutely what happened the book is by tony robbins and it's called awaken the giant within oh oh my gosh i just realized that it has the word awaken i did not put that together till right the second oh that's weird okay so in this book there is this exercise where you have to write down your top 10 values and your top 10 beliefs totally separate from one another but in order of top priority And this sounds easy, right? Like you've been alive your whole life and you think you know your set of beliefs and your set of values. But when I sat down to to do my list, it was hard. And it was hard because in that moment, I realized I could jot down my 10 things easily and it would be perfect and it would look really good. But it would have been written by my representative self. And my representative self is the girl that I had always brought forward. She is the me who always knows the right answers, who's a people pleaser. She knows what people want to hear. She's the one who got me through the first 26 years of my life. She's great. I like her. But I was trying to step away from her in this exercise because I wanted to dig deep. But this in this exercise, she was like fighting to come out. But the me, the, the real me, knew I needed to take over with this one because I didn't know exactly what I believed anymore. I didn't know what I valued. So it took me a few rough drafts, but I got the list done and the list at the end surprised me. Like my values and beliefs surprised me. And I won't go into the whole thing, but for instance, my representative self, like my her, she wanted my first value to be God. But my real self discovered that my first value in my life is actually health like mental physical and spiritual health all encompassing health and this freaked me out only because it was true so damn true and I didn't think it looked good and, like who was I if I didn't say I valued God first because I grew up being taught that that has to be my first value like that should always be mine and everyone else's first That was the culture in which I was raised. And this new top value of mental and physical and spiritual health, it didn't fit that mold anymore. And I was like, oh, what does this mean? What does this mean? But when I got down to it, how could I value God if my mental health was a mess, if my physical body was sick and destroyed and my spiritual health was all based in fear? And the answer was that I I couldn't. I could not. And I realized that in order to value God at all I must take care of myself and heal myself and know myself because if I didn't know me how was I how am I ever going to know God and 
it started the whole process of Marie condoing the shit out of my mind. I went above and beyond the Tony Robbins exercise of writing my, my list of top 10 beliefs and top 10 values. And I started to go through every single idea, every belief, and memory I could recall. I organized my brain, my beliefs, my truths until I could recite them like backwards, forwards, upside down with complete and utter surety in the things I decided to keep for myself. And this changed my whole life. And I, I know I touched on this in my trailer episode, but the truths that I discovered and realized and kept, they started shining so bright that they became my navigational system. Like there were no more half truths in me, no more fear-based beliefs. And I was like a new woman and it just gave me energy. So from there, I kept reading and some of my favorite books are, oh gosh, there are so many. So I'm, I'm probably going to put these in the show notes. So one of them is called A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. She just actually was in the presidential elections. She bowed out. But what? anyways, she is so, this book is so good. A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. Choosing Clarity, don't know the author, I'll find it. Um, the Alchemist by Don Miguel Ruiz. The Four Agreements. Polishing the Mirror by Ram Dass, so good. Love Warrior, Oh. Glennon Doyle Melton, I have an absolute real life crush on her. I, I love her so much. Untethered Soul, Judgment Detox by Gab- Gabrielle Bernstein, um, The Power of Now. Big Magic, I'm reading right now and I think all of you should read it. It is so good. Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza, Eat, Pray, Love. That's another one by Elizabeth Gilbert. So into her. Shit the Moon Said by um, Gerard- Jerry Powell. Oh, all the Brene Brown books. Like, just you can't go wrong with anything she writes. A weird one that totally changed my life, flipped the script, was a book by Tim Ferriss called The 4-Hour Workweek. And that one was all about, like, immersion learning. Like, he's like, screw balance. Like, you just, you're interested in something. Like, don't clean the kitchen. Like, just give yourself the five hours and dig so deep. And I... Oh, anyways, that book is so, that book to me was impactful. Um, and yeah, the other book I'm reading right now is called Aware by Dan- Anthony DeMello. So all of these books, they're just thought provoking. They're, they're feel good books. You can't go wrong with any of them. And podcasts. So I started listening to all of Oprah's Super Soul Sunday podcasts. Her series with Eckhart Tolle was life altering for me. So it was their podcast series on a new earth. So after I listened to the series, I got the book. I like highlight it. It's like a Bible to me. I'm always flipping through it. Um, the Skinny Confidential, I've been on her podcast twice. But you guys, the stuff, she just has so many interesting people on that podcast that I feel like I'm learning something new every week. She's amazing. Her and Michael are amazing. But these, oh, and then the YouTubes. So I stumbled upon Abraham Hicks rampages on YouTube. If you go to YouTube, type in Abraham Hicks rampage. Uh, You can go down a rabbit hole with this stuff, but those ones are really motivational to me. I really like them. Anything with Michael Beckwith or I even, I even started listening to athletic motivational speakers on YouTube and I have never played a team sport in my life, but it doesn't matter me. They like hype me up just to do my mom stuff. Like they're talking to these professional athletes like they're like gonna go win the Super Bowl and I'm like yeah like I'm gonna cook dinner like it's the best so I started listening to those 
um, lectures by Dr. Joe Dispenza on epigenetics. I love all that stuff. But these things, like these people started to teach me how incredibly powerful my thoughts are and how my thoughts actually create things both inside and outside of my body. So these books, these people, the ideas of others, I started to fill my own head with them. And just like sifting through my past ideas and beliefs and Marie Kondoing the shit out of them, I only kept the ones that brought me joy. I did the same thing with all of these new teachings. So I would like devour these books. And when I was finished, I would file them into my brain, into files. Like one file was like, yes, I believe this now. I keep it as my own. Another file was like, "Eh, no, I don't believe this, but that's nice for the people. And it was educational. The other file was like, hmm, I don't know about this. This is interesting. Like, let's test it out. So that's what I did. And for two years, I tried on other people's beliefs, kind of like trying on clothes. I tried on their theories and I only would buy the ones that fit me, like fit me like a glove. So one of the first ones I wasn't too sure about, but I tried on for good measure was all of the law of attraction stuff, the Abraham Hicks, all these. I mean, those people to me were like a little loony, a little crazy in the beginning. So I was tiptoeing around that one. But I decided I was curious enough I wanted to try it out. So I began to test it. I began to ask for signs, for clues, for actual things to show up in my life. And I I mean, I was testing the law of attraction. And my first real proof that it was working was one day when my fridge went out. It wasn't completely out, but I remember it suddenly wasn't keeping our food as cold and we were in absolutely no place to buy a new fridge. So I decided just to will it to fix itself and I decided I would put the law of attraction to the test with this. So I, this sounds crazy, I spoke out loud right in my kitchen to my mother effing fridge And I was like, hey, hey, Fridge, I appreciate you. You keep our food cold. But like, I need you. I desire you to keep our food even colder. Like, okay. Like, I believe you won't give out and you'll just fix this issue on your own. And I felt like an idiot. I felt like an idiot even saying it now. (laughs) Standing in front of my fridge talking to it. But it's the truth. And as I was finishing up, I had this interjecting thought that was like, oh, maybe someone we know is getting rid of a fridge. Like, maybe they'll just give it to us. That'd be great. And that was that. Not another thought towards the, the fridge. Nothing. Like, it moved on with my day. And what's funny is, I I mean, it was funny because we didn't even know anyone in San Clemente, California. We had just moved there. We were totally alone. We did not know a soul. So it's weird I even thought, oh, maybe someone we know will give us a, a freaking fridge. But three days go by. The fridge is still mildly cold not fixing itself. I was like, the law of attraction is bogus. It's bullshit. But our friends decided to, to visit and they asked if we would drive down to San Diego for with them to see their brother who was moving out of a friend's house. And they were selling the home. So that's why he needed to move out and he needed a bigger car. We had a van. So we disagreed. Um, we were down there helping him move out and we meet the owners of the house and they're like, nice people. They give us a little tour. We get to the kitchen and I shit you not. This lady says, hey, do you guys know of anyone who needs a brand new fridge? We got to get rid of this one. It won't fit into the new house. And my jaw hit the damn floor. I kid you not this happened. I kind of cried to myself for two and a half seconds right then and there. Not because we got the fridge we needed, but because it was proof that this vibe stuff, this energy stuff is real. 
it works. I was testing it and it works. Like what you put out there, you get back. And it proved it to me right then and there. And since that moment, I have countless, there are maybe a thousand of those types of stories that I have in my life that have happened to me in the last five years. And they never cease to amaze me. Never, never. And I mean, it's weird. So this one, this law of attraction one that I tested, it proved itself to me. So I picked it up. I collected it into my brain as true to me. I believe it. It's mine for forever. It's real. And now it shows itself to me frequently all the time. And then, I mean, there's so many things like that. I picked up beliefs about our bodies and frequencies and energy and how we speak to ourselves, our body, it matters. And it's maybe the most important part of our health regimen. Like I've seen actual miracles play out by this practice alone with my daughter, Remy. No medicine came close to healing her. She had life-threatening asthma and allergies. And we started doing nightly self-love mantras and I started telling her her body was better and she didn't need the medicine anymore. Like the medicine was making her sicker. I This sounds false. It's true. I watched this happen. And so I picked that one up and collected it as my own too. And I don't know. I just, I was also alone doing all this. I felt like a weirdo dabbling in all this new stuff. But one day my, uh, my long lost second cousin, Troy Eckert, he's going to listen to this. Hey, Troy. He invited us over to to breathe with him just breathe. And I was like, okay, I'm officially in Southern California where the loonies, they're coming at me. They've all been talking about like weird phrases like crystal charging, mercury in retrograde, juice fasting, vegan cleansing, like, and now breathing. Like, sure, why not? Let's go to someone's house together and just breathe out loud. So Bronson and I did. He Troy laid us out on his floor. He turned off the lights and I rem- he coached us through 45 minutes of a Wim Hof breathing session. I didn't even know what Wim Hof was. I didn't know who he was. I knew it was like breathing deeply, but I cracked wide open. Something happened to me during this breath work. I did not remember I was on the floor. I didn't know I was in someone else's house. I didn't remember or even think of how ridiculous we sounded or we, I'm sure we looked, but my mind went blank. And I connected to my body for maybe the first time in my whole life. And we were, there were parts in this series of 45 minutes where you hold your breath at the top of each round. And in this part, I started to see things with my eyes closed, like shapes and colors. Like, am I seeing God? A lion? It was like morphing. Like, what is this? Like, I felt like it was a dream, but it wasn't. It was real stuff I was seeing. And suddenly I remember hearing Troy let us know to calm our breath down to sit to lay down in Shavasana and just relax like it was over and I did not want this to be over I wanted to breathe that deep and that heavy for the rest of my life because I want to feel what I felt in that space every waking moment of my life and I didn't even know what it was but I laid there in Shavasana trying to figure it out with tears like falling down the sides of my face And I realized what it was, and it was connection. I felt connected to myself and to something bigger than myself, and I could not get enough of that feeling. So for months, I did daily breath work just by myself. I worked them into my meditations, and then the two, when conjoined, like breath work and meditation, those two catapulted me forward. There was no looking back. Like I was on a rocket ship. And the life that I had lived for the past 27-ish years was not how I was going to live for the next 27 years. That I decided for good. 
And I can say that that's been true for me. I have not lived the same life, even in the slightest way. Like the way I parent changed, the my marriage has changed, the way I treat myself has totally changed. All my relationships have changed. And I think when you get right down to it, becoming woke really means you start living out loud and living in love. Like you're in love with your life, in love with yourself, and you're learning to love the process and the people you pick up along the way. And a huge part of waking up for me was learning to say no to the things and the people and events that drain me. Like learning to set boundaries, even when it made me uncomfortable. And I don't know, I think saying no sometimes is the biz- biggest act of self-love because time is the only true currency we have. So I say no to the things that waste my time. And I think it's important to say that waking up does not change who you are. I think waking up actually means that you take off the parts of you that were never really yours to begin with. Like I think waking up makes you start living more bravely. And I think it means having an enormous amount of courage. I think waking up means you start off a lot like it's like imagining yourself on your death day and on that day you yourself get to write out your own obituary like what do you want to be remembered by what do you want people to talk about after you're gone like what do you want to leave this earth how do you how are you going to leave this earth but leave it in a in a different way just simply because you existed on it How are you going to make your mark? Like, what do you want your kids to talk about when you're gone? And I think, I don't know. And then you start living your life towards that direction, even in fear, even in anxiety, even with or without people's support. You just do it anyways. You realize you only have one shot, one shot, and tomorrow is not promised. I think we feel invincible most of the time like I can't die because I have kids to take care of or my my grandparents lived until their 90s so I've got so much time but none of us we don't know this none of us know this it could all end tomorrow and we could find ourselves on the other side being like damn I never went to Hawaii with the kids I never saw the Great Wall of China I never went skydiving and I never went salsa dancing and I never wrote my book I just sat and I worked and I Netflix and I chilled and I worried about my bills the whole damn time, my whole damn life. So I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And I think waking up is shaking up that routine. And don't live, don't live your life for how you feel you're being perceived. Live it however feels best to you. And I think the part of this waking up thing it's the, I mean, it's the waking up part that is work and it's a lot of effort and it's uncomfortable and it's a transitional time in your life and transitions, they suck. But once you're there, once you're woke, it's fun. It's like actually really fun. It's so freeing. So however you choose to get through this process is your way. My way was through self-observation, reading, writing, meditating, praying, and breath work. And a lot of dumping and organizing my brain. And I did this all with the strong desire for freedom. Freedom from my own bullshit. Freedom from the prison that my mind would make for myself. Ideas about how I needed to behave and look and act in the world. 
it wasn't the world keeping me sleepy. It was me. It was myself. It was my fear and my judgments and my lack of self-worth. That is the prison that I needed to break out of. So I did. And I'm betting that my story will have similarities and differences to yours. Because we're all so unique, just like everyone else on the planet. And I think I should leave it at that. I think it's done. But I hope you guys got something out of it. I don't know if anyone could get anything out of it. But until next time, you guys, I'll see you later. Thank you.